And what a blessing it is to have all of you. I've noticed some of our snowbirds are back. Welcome home. We pray the Lord doesn't judge you, judge us for your sunshine and give us snow this week. Uh, Lord, we've been good. Don't just let them have the nice weather. It's great to see all of you here. Um, it's good to have my sister and her husband, Vicki and Ray, visiting from, from uh, Cincinnati. Their son, Matthew, is our youth pastor. He was up here a few moments ago. Good to have them. It's also great to have uh, Captain Mike Miller, his wife and daughter, with us in all three services. I'm sorry. But he, uh, many of you know, he's with the Bedford County Sheriff. He's running for Bedford County Sheriff. Uh, been with him a long time. Been a great blessing to Eastlake. And thank you for your service uh, to our community and for your, your help with our security team. And different times you've helped us do things. And uh, we like to uh, invite uh, those who are running for office to join us. And uh, sorry we have three services. We can't get it all done at once. <laughs> Uh, I pity you, actually, to have to hear this sermon three times. And uh, what you don't know about Captain Mike is he is a pastor. So actually, maybe you ought to just come up and preach this for me. You got it. <laughs> he, uh, is, uh, his church has a singspiration on the fifth Sunday, uh, and uh, he was able to join us today and, and meet some folks. What I'd like for you to do is meet he and his wife, his daughter, in the foyer. Uh, ask them all the hard questions. Try to confuse them on national foreign policy but anyways, Captain Mike and, and your family, welcome, and thank you for being here with us this morning. We are on the countdown to uh, moving down the street about a half a mile. And by the way, I want to say before I do this, uh, Debbie and Delmar, thank you for your faith in Christ. And Delmar, I did not know that you are in seventh deployment. Can we, can we thank him this morning? Yeah, we, we love and appreciate you and thank both of you for, for being a part of East Lake and thank you for your wonderful service to our country. Uh, about 12 months from now, we're going to count down, we're counting down, we're going to move down the street about a half a mile and uh, move into a new facility. And so the 1st of March, we started what we call L365, which is a 12-month leadership development journey, raising up 365 holy, unified, engaged believers for multiplying kingdom impact. And uh, everybody now knows, all, knows everything they need to know about L365, don't you? <laughs> no, that was a good answer because everybody's saying to us, what is it? They're texting us. And we decided as a staff, what my dad said was true. If it's foggy in the pulpit, it's fuzzy in the pew. Amen. And so if we don't know what we're talking about, we better, certainly, you know. So really, everybody says, what actually is this? So let me, let me just try to give you a simple, concise answer. L365 is a countdown. 365 days. It's the excitement that is building towards the move. It is coordination. It is us working on the logistics and implementing practical steps that we need to take so we'll be ready when we move into a larger facility. How many of you know that if you need six ushers here, you're going to need 12 ushers there? Amen. How many of you know when you got two nurseries here that are 
got babies falling out the windows. Well, that didn't sound very nice for those of you who dropped your kids off in the nurseries. But when you got 16 babies or 20, and, and, and you go down there, you're going to need more coordination. You're going to need better planning. And so we're planning. It's coordination. It's, it's about culture. We want to train and instill into all of us those values that make Eastlake who Eastlake really is. The values of prayer and the word and unity and evangelism and generosity. The value that says it's not, we will not be measured by how many people that, but how many people that, those kind of values. The values that say we're not trying to build a mega church, we're trying to have mega impact. Are you with me this morning? This, these, we want to instill this culture in all of us so that when the Lord blesses with two or three hundred unbelieving unchurched folks when we move into the new facility, the culture doesn't shift from, an, from a godly, Christ-centered, prayerful culture to an ungodly, unbelieving, secular, we want to be big, cool, hip, and whatever culture. Are you with me this morning? It's about culture. It is Christ-centered. It's not a program, but it's a journey of growing deeper in our walk with the Lord. All of us need to grow. I need to grow. We all need to grow. Our staff, we talked about that recently. We need to grow, and we want to help every believer at Eastlake grow deeper. Is there anybody, so far no one in the first two services is fully, 100%, totally sanctified yet? Anybody here done growing, got all the God you need, and you figured it out? Wow, so it must be another church. Maybe it's over Pastor Mike's church. I don't know. No, we're all growing, right? And we need to grow deeper. And it's, about, it's Christ-centered in that it, we want to introduce new folks to Christ in this year, 365 of them to be exact. We believe that we don't want to put off our growth, put off our ministry, put off evangelism until we move. We need to be doing that stuff right now. Amen? And it is comprehensive. It's for everyone. It involves every person. We're asking you to take your phone or your your device, go on the Eastlake app, and fill out an L365 card. Well, I don't know if I'm a leader. I'm really not a leader. Yes, you are. Every human being is a leader because every human being has influence, right? And we want every believer to go. It's a commitment for every person that says, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ better, and I want to serve Christ. And I want to be ready when we go to make a greater impact for the sake of the kingdom. So L365, which which sort of, uh, I've mentioned numbers a little bit and growth a little bit, which which raises the question, um, how big will this church be? God size. That's pretty big. Amen. How big will this church be? That's a, every time I ask that question today, it's gotten awkwardly quiet. Right? I mean, it's the kind of thing you don't want to talk about. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to, how big will this be? To, to, to sort of probe that this morning, I want to go to a passage of Scripture. We've been looking at the parables of Jesus, where Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. Let me just mention, I'm not going to go to the slide, Mikkel, but I just want to mention by way of understanding that when we say the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, we are not talking about a sphere. 
We're not talking about a place, a geographic location. We're talking about the reign of Christ in this world. And, and let me just, just so we can be clear as we use that term this morning. The kingdom of God or heaven was exemplified in the Jewish people in the Old Testament. Jesus said, I will be your God, you will be my people. He made their rules. It was a theocracy. It, it meant that God was the king. And he made the rules. And when you read the Old Testament laws, you're reading theocratic laws for a, for a government of a people. It was his people. And the kingdom of God was exemplified in the nation of Israel. There's coming a day where the kingdom of God will be universal, physical, and eternal in the sense that God's going to wipe away every tear. All sin is going to be crushed. Satan's going to be cast out. And God and glory and holiness is going to reign in the entire universe. Anybody looking forward to that day? We won't even need a sheriff when that happens. Amen? You, you, you won't even need a job at that point. Amen? But the kingdom of God today is most visible in the church of Jesus Christ. And the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. It's not something we're just waiting on. It's actually here. Christ is reigning. It's a spiritual kingdom that Christ has set up in the hearts of men and women who have put their faith in Christ. And if, if I ask you the question, are you in the kingdom of God? It simply means, have you put your faith in Christ and given Christ lordship in your life? The kingdom of heaven is where Christ reigns. And so the church is the visible manifestation of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven has its own principles, its own constitution. In the world we live in, if they get you, you get them back. In the kingdom of God, pray for those who persecute you. Do good to those who despitefully use you. The kingdom of God, the, the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount is really the constitution to the kingdom of God. He tells us how we operate. We are to have our highest allegiance to the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is describing the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And I, wanted, I want you to understand that when we say that, we're talking about the spiritual kingdom that he has set up in the hearts of individuals. It's exemplified through the local church. And it is where Christ reigns. And Jesus is saying in Mark chapter 4, he's contemplating to himself, how can I best describe the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was a clear communicator, the best preacher, the best communicator that ever walked the face of the earth. He had divine anointing like no one else. And he asked himself the question, much like pastors ask every week, how can I best communicate the truths about the kingdom of God? And this is what he said in Mark 4, verse 30. And he said, what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? And he chose this one, verse 31. It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. And yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nest in its shade. Mark chapter 4 is a parallel chapter to Matthew chapter 13. There are two times in the scriptures where Jesus uses a mustard seed as an illustration. 
The most common one, the one that we most frequently think of when we, when we refer to the mustard seed is Jesus said in Matthew 17 and in Luke 17, he said that if you have the faith as of a grain of mustard seed, you can say in one translation or one, one a gospel, he said, you can say to this mountain, be cast into the sea and it will be done. In another one, he said, you can say to this mulberry bush, be cast away and it will be done. He used the mustard seed as an example in one spot to describe our faith. In this story that we're reading this morning, in this parable, Jesus uses the mustard seed as a description, not of our faith, but as the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, what shall I tell? How can I describe this to these people? Pastor Bob is here this morning and a lot of our staff are here and around places. Bob, if if we were planning this week in staff meeting, how can we best describe the work that God is doing in the world, past, present, and future? I'm guaranteeing we wouldn't come up with a mustard seed. We would come up because we're all bombastic in our personality and creative in our thinking. We would come up with some glorious picture, some beautiful representation that the kingdom of God is dominant. And Jesus said, how can I best describe this? And in doing so, he gives us four characteristics of the kingdom of God that are illustrated in a mustard seed. Let me give them to you. He speaks to us about the simplicity of the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God really like? He says, like a mustard seed. It's tiny. It's minuscule. It's insignificant. The best way that the sovereign son of God could think of to describe it, he chooses this simple, minuscule object to define and describe the kingdom. He's talking about a mustard seed. Let's talk about it for a moment. A mustard seed that was really the seed of a mustard shrub. It was the smallest seed in Palestinian agriculture. That's something you want to write down, take home, and eat all week because that's really good information. That will inspire you on Tuesday. The mustard seed, very, very tiny, usually measuring one to two millimeters in diameter, came in different colors from yellowish white to black, depending on the variety of a mustard plant from which it came. And it would grow from that tiny seed, it would grow to approximately 10 feet in height. Three meters or beyond. And Jesus said, I want to describe to you what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like this insignificant, tiny little seed. And when he said that, Jesus is describing himself. He's describing the gospel. He's describing the movement that would come from his teaching. He's describing the church, the nature of the kingdom that would have a minuscule, humble beginning. He said, it's like a mustard seed. Jesus, one ordinary, common, as the world counts it, insignificant man, was the seed. And he said... The kingdom of heaven is best described to you in this simple, insignificant way. You've heard this before. It came from a sermon in 1926. And this is how a man described Jesus. 
A man, he said, Jesus was a man born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another village, worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. Listen, he never owned a home. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family. He never went to college. He never put his foot inside of a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place in which he was born. He never did any of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. While still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed up on a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for the only piece of property he had in this world, his coat. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave on the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today he is the centerpiece of the human race. What is he saying? He's saying the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's starting simple, ordinary, minuscule. This writer went on to say, I'm far within the mark to say that all the armies that have ever marched and all the navies that were ever built, all the parliaments that ever sat, and all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerfully as has this one solitary life. What is the kingdom of heaven like? And Jesus said, let me think the best way. It's going to start tiny. It's going to be simple. But we know it doesn't stay that way. And Jesus is using the mustard seed also to illustrate for us, secondly, the potential of the kingdom of God. He says, when it is sown. When, when this, this is where it starts. This is where it starts. But when it is planted, when it is Sown into the earth. Listen, it becomes larger than all the garden plants. They tell us in history that a shrub, a mustard shrub, could could grow so tall, as tall as a horse and a rider. One ancient writer said mustard trees can grow so that a man can ride his horse and pass under its branches. What Jesus is saying, really the importance of, of this story, in the, in the story of the faith, maybe the primary use of the mustard seed is in its smallness. And thank God that we just have to have a mustard seed of faith. Amen. But in this story, the primary message is not in the smallness of the kingdom. It's in the potential of the kingdom. Because Jesus says, here's, here's how I'll describe it to you. It's going to start small, tiny, and minuscule. Very, very simple. But, like the mustard seed, that one millimeter seed is going to grow into a ten-foot tree. And in, in that seed is enormous potential. This potential in one tiny seed of faith, there is potential to transform your life. To restore your marriage. To rescue your broken and lost children. To transform a church. 
to revive a nation. One seed of the kingdom of God gets loose in our life and it can turn our world upside down. Aren't you glad for that this morning? Some, and listen, somebody needs to hear this. Hold on to that seed. The devil has told you how small and how tiny and how insignificant and how dead and lifeless it is. Listen, listen, listen. Hold on to that seed. It has enormous potential. If that seed takes root, it can grow and it can spread the gospel in your life. It can become mighty and strong. Your child, your grandchild, your marriage can be transformed by the power of the gospel. Amen. This is the, you say, what is so significant? What is so significant about the gospel? We come to church, we sing a little song, we preach, Jesus died for lost and he can help us, he can, amen. I want to tell you something, I believe, I believe what we sang a moment ago, amen. I, I remember hearing, I remember hearing um, Sidney Grant, who, who uh, is a friend acquainted with some of us, Sidney Grant was a Honduran man. He spoke when I was in boot camp, at a missionary boot camp when I was in college, preparing to go overseas. And he told this story. He was working on a ship. Lost. He said, I was as lost as lost could be. And while working in the belly of that ship, one day a man who worked with him said to him, Sidney, Jesus is sweet. Three words. Jesus is sweet. And he said, that's all he said to me. But for days, that began to echo in my mind. Jesus is sweet. And every time I tasted the bitterness of sin and the disappointment of my own life and the failure in my own relationship, all I could hear was Jesus is sweet. Jesus is sweet. And that tiny seed brought him to a place of humility and repentance before God and he has led national Christian organizations for the past many years why? because one seed has the potential to transform a life Jesus said I'll tell you what the kingdom of heaven is like it's going to start small oh but it, it has the power to do something big when it is sown let me say this when it is sown it has the power to do something big. Jesus said in John 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, unless, uh, listen, unless it is sown, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus, Jesus was the seed. They took Jesus, the seed of the kingdom of God, they hung him on a cross. They took his body down and they stuffed him in the ground and the seed began to sprout. One day, two days, three days later, Jesus burst forth out of the ground and the seed of the gospel was born into this world. Amen. What is he saying? He's saying the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's tiny, but it's got the potential to be mighty. Jesus illustrates the kingdom of heaven with a mustard seed by talking about the expansion of the kingdom. It grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants. The real point of the mustard seed is not the size of the seed. Listen, 
Listen, this is an important distinction. It's, the point of this is not the size of the seed. It is n- not the size of the plant. One millimeter, ten feet. That's part of it. But the real point, listen, is the expansive capabilities of the mustard plant to take over an area. Did you know that in Jesus' day, the mustard plant was almost a nuisance? Why would he choose that? This is like Jesus saying to us today. Dear Smith Mountain Lake residents, the kingdom of heaven is like kudzu. (laughs) You know, I've heard the myth, the legend, the story of kudzu. You know, out in Tennessee, it's really bad there too, you know. Supposedly it came over here. Somebody here knows is going to tell me this. Send me an email. I want to know the facts. But this is what I've heard. Somebody brought it over here from Japan to sort of to make it night look night. And then just took over. That was the mustard plant. The real point of this is not the, t- the smallness of the seed. It's not even the size of the plant. But the, but the mustard plant would, would, would grow and go fast and even take over the whole garden. I just love that picture of the gospel. Listen to what Pliny said. He lived from 23 to 79 AD. He was a Roman philosopher and a member of the Roman navy. Listen to what he wrote about the mustard seed. With its pungent taste and fiery effect, mustard is extremely beneficial for the health. It grows entirely wild, though it is improved by being transplanted. But on the other hand, when it has once been sown, it is scarcely possible to get the place free of it. As the seed, when it falls, germinates at once. And I believe when Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that starts like this, it grows to 10 feet, and then hundreds of seeds come off of that as it germinates, and then that thing just begins to expand and expand and expand. And say, why would Jesus use a weed? Why would Jesus use something that was a little bit annoying to farmers in that day? Because Paul the apostle said the gospel is an offense to this world. But Jesus said it don't matter if it's an offense. The gospel cannot be stopped. The point is that it starts small and ends big. But its bigness, listen, its bigness is at times uncontrollable. I love this when I read this about uh, mustard seeds. This, This one writer said the mustard seed loves garbage ground you know the God can I just say this the gospel can grow anywhere yeah yeah I'm talking about your life right now your family your brokenness your your son your daughter your grandchild your whatever did you know you say oh man I don't have my my life my, 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 my heart my life's a little bit stony a little bit jacked up no 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 mustard seed grows good in garbage ground and if the gospel takes root in your life, it can take over. I, I love that about this, about Jesus' parable. I love that about this. We read that mustard seed cannot be, can never be anything but a mustard seed. It refuses all viruses. They can't make it a hybrid. They can't merge it with it. It always is just a mustard seed. Jesus knew what he was talking about when he said the kingdom of heaven is like mustard seed. The gospel grows in the worst places. The gospel expands without explanation. The gospel takes over the worst circumstances. And the gospel refuses to be compromised. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Jesus gives us the impact of the kingdom 
He says it puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nest in its shade. The kingdom of God becomes the place of rest and safety and comfort. I found this poem in a sermon from 1981. I could not discover who wrote it, so uh, I'll call it anonymous. But listen to what this writer wrote. Sow a manger mustard seed. Reap a megaton of feed. Leaven in a shepherd field makes a universal yield. See the little refugee, Jesus, play where once he split the sea. With a square and plain to ply, he makes us mansions in the sky. Loaves and fishes in his hand become crumbs as countless as the sand. Who's this weak and bleeding lamb? Before Abraham I am. Bleeding in Gethsemane, on the eye of victory, shrieks the nail between the bone. Wrath, my wrath, my wrath on loan. Limp like meat upon a rack, raw with slivers in his back. Black and cavernous the grave, till the Father comes to save. Quiet thunder ripples out through the centuries of doubt. Silence in the heavens now. Soon the universe will bow. Leaven in a shepherd field. Look, a universal yield. Sow a manger mustard seed. Reap a megaton indeed. This is the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of God. So in our conclusion, we return to our original question. How big shall we be? The parable is applied of the kingdom of God in three ways. First of all, the kingdom, this represents the kingdom of God and the spread of the gospel from a ragtag group of followers to a mighty army of men and women who've put their faith and trust in Christ. Look at this one-minute video which illustrates the expansion of the gospel. I've showed it before, but it's worth showing again. like a mustard seed got loose in Jerusalem when Jesus came out of the grave and it spread across. This is what Jesus was talking about. But he was also talking about every local church 
where the kingdom of God is at work. So the answer to our first question, how big will we be, is this. We don't get to decide. We dare not put a number on it, large or small. It's the kingdom of God. Amen. Second, the second answer to that question is, we will never know. Because if we lead one child, come here, man. Can, you, can I borrow you for a minute? This young man sitting on the front row being a great listener. We lead one young man to Jesus. Place the seed of the gospel in his heart. I'll be dead and gone. And you'll be tearing this world up for Jesus. Amen. Listen. We dare not make this about us. Because we're not a mustard seed. We are a mustard seed, but we're dead. We start like this and we end like this. Jesus, the gospel, the kingdom starts like this and goes around the globe who knows who knows what a young man a young woman a child a teenager will grow up to become if we just plant the seed of the gospel of the kingdom amen thank you man i'm sorry i didn't give you a heads up on that but finally this morning it represents the natural growth of the kingdom in the life of a true believer Really the goal of this, the goal of this L365 is that the gospel, the kingdom will get loose in all of our lives. And there's really three things that need to happen. You have to die to be born. Jesus said, whosoever saves his life will lose it. But whosoever loses his life for my sake, the same shall find it. You have to be that seed. You, Jesus was the seed. He went into the tomb. Now he calls us in Romans 6, like him, to be buried in baptism. And listen, we have to die to self. And when we go into the ground and give our life to Christ, he breathes new life into us and we come forth. Secondly, we have to grow. Amen. Listen, we've done a disservice in the church by winning them and pinning them. How many decisions can we get? Sign the card, raise your hand, put them in the books. Catch up to him 30 years later at your funeral. Tell about that day 30 years ago. Listen, there's more to the Christian life than that. Listen, there's more to the Christian life than that. And that is, we got to be born. We got to be spring. We got to sprout. And we got to receive the nutrients of the Word of God so that we grow stronger and stronger. And that as Christians, we go from a seed to a 10 foot tree. It's called spiritual maturity. And thirdly, we have to bear fruit. We have to bear fruit. It's, it's impossible for a plant to be healthy if it doesn't produce leaves and flowers and fruit. If you keep watering a flower, watering a plant, and it stops producing, and it doesn't take the water in and send it out through flowers or fruit or leaves, that, that, that plant will grow root rot. And the way that the Lord develops in our life is that He gives us new spiritual life. He helps us receive the grace of God, the truth of God. And then He helps us bear much fruit in our life. And that's our prayer for everybody. I want to I do this.
before we sing. If you're here this morning, say, Pastor Troy, I want to bear more fruit. I need to bear fruit. And the Lord has spoken. Don't stand. It doesn't mean you don't want to bear fruit if you don't stand. I just want to know those of you who maybe the Lord has spoken to specifically this morning in the time, would you just stand up? Just those, I, I just want to bear more fruit. In the chapel, you can do the same. God bless you. God bless you. Just stand up. Amen. Just stay with me for a moment. If you're, if you're someone that's here and you said to yourself, I need to grow. I, I, need, I, I was born, but I've really stopped at that point. I really need to begin to take in truth and understand the kingdom. Just, I need, I need nutrient. Who, who would be like that? Just stand up. Join those who are already standing. I need to grow. Amen. I need to grow. Before we go this morning, maybe you're here this morning, and there are many that are standing here and in the chapel, and you say, you know what, Pastor Troy? I've never been born again, and I want to be born again this morning. Would you have the courage to stand and join those who are standing and then let us pray with you before we go? Anybody like that? I want to, I want to go into the ground this morning die to myself so that I might live to Jesus. Anybody like that? Amen. God bless you. Our pastors are in the chapel. I want you to lead in prayer over there, guys. But would you all just pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the expansion of your kingdom in our life, in our church, and in this world. We thank you for letting us be a part of it. We thank you, Lord, for the men and women that you've rallied around us as Christians. We pray, O oh God, this morning that you would unite our hearts with one another, unite our commitment to the kingdom of God. Lord, may East Lake never become about Troy's ideas or some human organization's ideas. May we stand firm on the truth of your word. And Lord, I pray that you would work in us your will for the glory of God. And may our impact, Lord, spread, supernaturally spread, not by our own strength, but by the power of God. I pray for every man, woman, boy, and girl who's standing right now. Lord, would you fill their heart with a hunger for you like they've never known before in their life. A hunger for you, oh God. We want you. We want your kingdom to go forward. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in our life at Eastlake, in our homes, as it is in heaven, we pray. And we pray this today in the mighty, in the glorious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. For more information about Eastlake Community Church, please visit us online at eastlake-church.com or find us on your favorite social media platform at Eastlake SML. Thanks for joining us.